You're listening to the Entrepreneur's Agony Aunt podcast. Keeping it real, telling the story like it is, because there are no mistakes that somebody else hasn't already made. Hello, I'm Vicky Brock, and you're listening to the Entrepreneur Agony Aunt podcast. Today, I'm with Kathy McCabe, CEO of Proximity Insight, a global retail platform enabling customer journeys across all retail touchpoints. Kathy is former Chief Information Officer of Retail Jager and VP of IT at Burberry. And when I met her earlier this year, the advice she gave me triggered one of those rare moments of clarity where all the challenges you've been facing finally make sense. So I wanted to share some of that wisdom with you. So um, welcome, Kathy. Thank you for joining me as an agony aunt. <laughs> Hello, lovely to see you again. So we've got two questions today. The first is from a non-technical founder who's struggling to find good technical hires. He's been down that road of using overseas outsourced developers and he's had local companies offering services in exchange for equity. Um, but he really wants to build a skilled team locally. Money isn't the problem. It's how to find and identify sufficiently good people. The second question, perhaps is more relating to your old world, is from a founder who says they've got strong IP and a a robust retail tech solution, but sales are slow and tough. And despite individual champions internally, when they do get sales, they're not seeing their technology become sufficiently embedded by clients. So there's a big risk of churn. What's going wrong? So I expect this is not the first time that you've come across either of these challenges. Could you tell us a little bit about your story and background and, and then we can dive into the questions? Yeah, I suppose it's, 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 it's quite interesting because having been, you know, now having running a startup, it's uh, not too different to, there are different challenges, but it's not too different to being part of a corporate or being part of a, a business or being in a turnaround business. So, you know, I've spent all of my life in retail. I've come up from shop floor. I started off as a a management trainee with WH Smith. I've spent 10 wonderful years at Arcadia. And, you know, really great grounding from a retail business. And I do think retail is a really strong career to have because it is so diverse. I was very lucky to be able to move from retail and retail operations into a technology role. We, I haven't come up from a coding background, but just from uh, being able to analyse solutions, look at technology, was really, really, really useful and beneficial for me. And that's why I think retail is a great career. I've, you know, and I can now use those skills in a different way. So working with a startup, and I was so privileged to be able to work with this team who, with a platform that I just feel is so compelling, particularly in today's when there's lots of disruption and, you know, we're having to completely reinvent the role of the store. What is the store there for when it's competing on with online and digital sales and the Amazons of this world? And it's still really very much about its kind of service and providing that personalised service, providing a great level of service and that touchy-feely experience that you get in a store. So I'm super excited and I think my background really helps me to understand because in, in lots of ways it hasn't changed from 20, 25 years ago. You know, when it my first boss, she was super, she knew her customers, she taught me all about having, to, you know, having that personal relationship with them being able to build, understand their requirements, what they were look help them with what they were looking for. And and I think that's always stood me really well. And so presumably all the technical devices that 
the customers are using as simply an extension of their desire to interact with you and their expectation of service. Yeah, absolutely. It's not like a different business. No, I think it's just but we've got different um, different ways of connecting. So, you know, along, you know, I might be browsing and I'll be, be browsing for something and it takes my eye. But then I might pop into the store. But if they don't have my size and they can't they can't fulfill from store, um, which they should be able to in this day and age. But um, if they can't, then I've still got to go back online. Mm-hmm. But it's around that I, I give a very... It, I think some of the solutions that we have is not just about the technology, but it's about connecting the dots mm-hmm. and being able to provide store staff with as much empowerment in terms of information and being able to help that customer but then also blend that with the digital journey so technology really helps but you still need to make sense of what you're seeing and that's that's the bit I find the most fascinating and have retailers kind of tried to turn into technology companies or have they worked you know when you were in an in-house role have they looked around to the startups and perhaps to the existing big tech providers looked to them to to help solve a I think there's a balance because I think it depends on how strategically you're keen to try new things so there's the more traditional IT director roles have not always explored you know they've kind of gone with tried and trusted partners which is not always wrong but it's sometimes I think you have to have a really good blend I think you have have to have a blend of technology that's stable robust and works but you need to push the boundaries by you by working with startups and it makes you think differently it actually makes you question your own expertise and knowledge and kind of it it gives you that spark of doing something different so I think that's really important Um, and did you when you were in you know when you were on the on the retailer side did you have challenges there attracting technical talent or were you looking more for solutions fully formed solutions that you could buy in I think it depends so in you know in my in my latter roles at Burberry I think obviously we could we could attract talent really it was a great brand yeah so you know it kind of comes first and foremost you can attract great talent you can um, build um, teams from based around that and you can have in-house teams as well as you know working externally However, I think whether, you know, whether you're a small company or a large company, what, you know, one of the areas that I see now is that typically you're looking, you need high performance individuals because when you're in a startup, I need someone that's going to wear different hats. I don't need someone who just does, who is just a business analyst or just a project manager or just a marketing person. I need someone that's hungry and ambitious and that wants to learn and can do different roles. However, when you're getting a high performance individual like that, you also end up with some high maintenance around yeah. <laughs> managing them. And it's that kind That's of a like delicate oh my gosh. way of putting it. I like that. <laughs> I've actually kind of got an article that I refer to quite regularly about managing smart people yes. because it is a whole different uh, ball game. Yeah, and it's and I, I it, you know, it, it is something that I brings home to me because sometimes I end up being you know, I kind of end up feeling I'm a bit of a school teacher and going, but these are grown men and women. Yeah. And you end up going back to basics and say, hi guys, look, we, we, we need to work as a team here. We're not going to, this is not about egos and this is not about constantly proving who's the best, but it's around you working as a team. And I think that's the piece that I, that I found really insightful, but I think it's similar in big companies as well as small. I think it's interesting that you pull out the thing about the generalist because when I was building a technical team for the first time when I was in my last CEO role, 
one of the challenges was I knew what I where I wanted to get like I knew what I was trying to achieve but I didn't necessarily know the specific skills and particularly the technical mm. skills that I needed to make that happen. Mm. I think I've got a much stronger sense of that now. And I think mm. as I go into the next business, I will probably, my first set of hires will probably be more experienced than mm. my last mm. first set of hires were. Mm. Um, because I think perhaps I was a little bit unrealistic in my expectation of what they would be able to do. Um, mm. And over time, I kind of learned the importance of decent product management and mm. the I learned the importance of decent processes and information sharing and clear communication and expectations. But I think last time when I went out to hire, I, I kind of almost feel like I was thinking I was going to hire the technical solution yes. as opposed to yeah. that we would all build it together. And I wonder if the person asking this question is a little bit in that unknowns kind of space I think it's tricky I think you do need experience I think you have to have that balance of experience and then you need fresh eyes and new ways of working and I like the blend of that so I think you know I've in in previous roles as well I've had huge success with graduates and interns and apprenticeships so and I think that's really because you not only do you um does that person grow with you but typically, you know, you, you know, they actually are then a very loyal employee and they really, they've really kind of learned and grown very much. And then sometimes they move on and you see them blossom. And that's, that's a great that's, yeah. result. I yeah. don't think there's anything wrong with yeah. l- losing a young employee yeah. after 18 months or two years when they've taken no. so many steps forward and they've no. contributed I so much. I think it's quite powerful. And it also sees, you know, it also, you know, you, there's an element, you need the passion. First and foremost, you know, and going back to the question in terms of what, what do you do, I think it is quite important to build, you know, to get local resource if you can. I think it depends on the, on the task in hand. So there are things that you can outsource and you can and look at doing you know in, in, in different ways but bringing in that local resource and, and working with the team that even you know even kind of when you're looking at that globally I think it's really important I, I liken it a bit to dating mm-hmm. right so in terms of trying not to be too panicky about taking the first person that comes along yeah but you know you have to have your instincts I think are often right and not being rushed into making a decision with someone that your gut's telling you is not the right person because you spend those first three six months and you're kind of thinking yeah I knew this from the beginning and you that's where you have to make really strong decisions around the right person and is it it's as much about it being a right cultural fit and that someone is aligned with the values that you want to create as a company as it is about having the right technical skills or having the right Selling skills, um, it's really, really important. And being aligned with values is not this, and cultural fit is not like a cookie cutter. It's not about homogeny and everybody being the same in any way, shape, or form. But it's it's kind of like you all share the same end desire of what success is. And and in some companies, that is like we all want to make as big a bonus we can and be really, really rich. Yeah. And in which case fantastic having those career but this is not the place to do that and I think that's where sometimes the challenges come in with different people and high high performance individuals because you can all bring different um, skills 
Um, but sometimes it's around respecting. You may have completely different ways of working. Somebody over here can be a complete detail merchant and then the other person's not. They're kind of up, you know, up with the fairies, but very strategic and very mm-hmm. visionary. But you have to respect each other's skills and you have to respect what you bring in terms of that blend as a team. Um, and it's not just about kind of butting heads all the time, but it is around making sure that you've got people that are excited and passionate and really want to um, see the company grow and, and, you know, and get excited at every milestone and every hurdle um, and don't get too deflated when, when there are challenges and, and yeah. some dips. So when you don't have a brand in the way that Burberry did, where do you, you know, where have you found those people? Do you go out to hackathons or universities or set up competitions? I mean, do yeah. you go out and look for them or do you try to tempt them in or, or both? I think it's a blend. So it's a blend of having, I do, you know, I have a very good network So with people. And I think one of the things when you've worked with uh, lots of different people across lots of, in terms of not just different brands, but you've met people along your way, I think people always come around. And, you know, one of the pieces of advice I had a long time ago was about being nice to everybody. Because you never know, and this industry is quite small in terms of retail and retail technology. Typically, you're bumping into people all the time. It does change. But I, universities, so, you know, in terms of that, graduates, you know, in and looking at um, internships, apprenticeships, again, working with various companies who provide apprentices, I think are very strong. So again, I work with different accelerators. So you've got that constant, you bump into people. And even, you know, even networking, I bumped into someone at a dinner a couple of weeks ago, and she was um, this lovely lady who was a data analyst. And and she's kind of, you know, she's stopped, you know, she's worked for big companies and now she's having a bit of a break. And I thought, gosh, you know, she would be amazing. We immediately hit it off. And you kind of think, yeah, you know, she'd be great to come in. And even if it's a transitory piece, I think you've got to be, I'm constantly, you know, even like when you're getting served in a sometimes... I kind of think, gosh, she would be amazing. You know, yeah. like, this is a lovely day. She's giving, she's serving me a coffee. But I remember actually... somebody stopping me in a shopping mall and doing the whole selling me makeup. Yeah. You know, doing a makeup demonstration at the end of it. You look for a job. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, it's just <laughs> she was like, a throw your elbow for some yeah. day. It doesn't surprise me. It's sometimes it's just about skills, isn't it? And I think it's around skills of someone that's you know I still think social skills are so important being able to converse being able to talk to people of all different types of backgrounds ages I you I think I'm constantly on the hunt <laughs> yeah but, I think that um I probably is very similar I go to all the meetups and mentor yeah. at the hatcheries and the yes. accelerator and you know you yeah. find great people and sometimes people will have demonstrated that they're startup friendly mm. because they'll have been along to a hackathon or they'll have, they'll have tried something, they'll have been on somebody's team or as an intern that doesn't mm. work. Yes. But that's a great opportunity yes. to actually say, say yeah. come here. Um, yeah. And I definitely think it's really possible as a startup to be able to start to get that attractiveness yeah. of somewhere that people want to work and come to you. Yeah, I think the, the challenge is to work out what you need. So, you know, if you're looking for technical people or if you're looking for marketing or sales people, the I and that and then I do describe it as you know I want someone so for example a recent hire we've had is 
he's technical, but he's also come from a consulting background. Mm-hmm. So he can fa- he's technical and he can face customers. Amazing. So for me, yeah. that's because that's what you need. You need to be able to have someone that you can sit in front of a customer and you can con- converse. And, and that's so important. So I always describe it as multiple hats because I need people with and multiple hats. And I think hats. that if you've got the right learning kind of mindset in somebody, then it doesn't matter necessarily specifically if they've got all the packages or mm-hmm. programs that mm-hmm. you're using. Yeah. If, if they've dealt with the basics, yes. they're going to adapt yes, pretty exactly. quickly. Yeah. And I think, especially in a startup, you kind of almost have to... If you write out a shopping list of every possible program this person has to have and every attribute, you're not... Yeah. No. gonna you're not gonna get that high no I think you know it's 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 not easy um but you have to persevere you have to persevere to get the right people and if it doesn't and sometimes the right people are lovely at one stage and they might help you get to here and then you have to look for a different set and of skills to move really you forward so that's in a young company. you know which I mean is I really had hard. that with some of my early yeah. hires who were lovely yes you know, and I, I, we were their first job and, mm. and they were they were great, yeah. but where we went and the skills we needed, mm-hmm. yeah, we couldn't take all of those people no. with us. And, and that's actually some of the hardest. Yeah. It is hard. Some of the hardest partings yeah. that I have made during that mm. is is with some of those mm. young early people because they're ambitious too and they're wanting to progress. But then you get to a point where you think, actually, do you know what? I have to if I'm going to move the bar to here. I, I need someone completely different. I need the experience or I need, you know, someone with different skills. And that's where... And so you sometimes have to make really hard decisions about people that have given and, you know, grown with you and, you know, have t- taken you on that journey. But actually, you have to move somewhere else and then you have to look somewhere else. Is it possible... I mean, have you done the outsourcing thing and it work? I have, yeah, I have on, so I, you know, I, I wasn't always a big fan of outsourcing, but no, I, from a service perspective our, at Jaeger, again, we, you know, we didn't have big budgets, so we did, we actually outsourced, we had an outsourcing company that we did work really hard with, so but it, it's not just a handover and here you go. Um, so we had two, we had apprentices that, that came in from an, from an external company that then became part of our team and, and they felt like our team mm-hmm. members. Um, so an on-site outsourced solution, you know, in terms of people and resources, and it worked really well for us. But and, and also we had an outsourced um, service around, you know, hosting and projects, etc. That took a little bit of time to get it right. So because when I joined, it was in a complete mess. Um, and that's where I think you have to constantly, those people have to be part of your vision and part of your, they have to understand what you're trying to achieve and you have to really partner with them and work with them to make it work. But it does work, but you, it's not as, um, there are lots of examples where it doesn't work. And I think that you have to get that blend right, and it's what's right for you at, at the right yeah. time. Where I've seen it not work has often been where you get literally what you ask for, yeah. even if what you asked for yeah. was wrong or yeah. was not fully scoped out yeah. or didn't make a lot of sense. And, no. and I think that probably no. does come yes. back to that thing yeah. that everybody needs to understand what they're doing no, and absolutely. why. The co- communication, and it's the same being in a startup where we've got offices in Australia, New York and London, communication is absolutely key. <laughs> so it's and the, the same. And your, your yeah. technical analysts in different countries... Yes. Yeah, so you're having to, and it's the same when you work with an external, you know, so, you know, at Burberry, when we, we did use 
some offshore, you know, companies at different times. But the communication has to be, you know, has to be absolutely key because otherwise, yes, you you have an expectation and, and you get something completely different if you're if you're not spot on, um, and if you don't bring people on that journey. So it's around making them feel part of what you're doing. I think, and I think that's 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 very important. Thank you. So perhaps if we look at the second question, which is we've got, we think we have a good product, we think we have decent software, but nobody's biting our hand off to buy it. Now, I know you and I had a conversation (laughs) around this. Um, and you told you told me some very interesting things around complexity and the buying unit and how you know how difficult it is to get traction internally when there are lots of stakeholders involved. Is that quite normal when you're buying technology? Is that is it quite normal for that to happen? That you know you have somebody that's very enthusiastic and might even kind of push the pilot through, but then it it, it dies a death. Yeah, and again, I think it it so much depends on the size of the company. So, you know, somewhere like Burberry, there are huge, you know, Burberry grew um, and was known for innovation. So, and was known for, um, in the the period that I was at Burberry, for being, IT being at the front of the bus and working strategically to really drive experimentation. And, you know, so yes, you know, big SAP, um, company, big Salesforce company, but still experimenting at the edge. And I think it was then in it then grew up, and there were became more processes, and then it became really hard. So as it grew up from from a spotty teenager into a, a blossoming adult, it then became it had to grow up internally for governance and projects. You know, kind of like a project office, and then it it just kind of lo- it almost like lost so it's getting that balance right I think is really important so did the like the younger risky companies sort of get locked out of that process or did were you did you sort of start to get a, a backlog and and all of that kind of I thing? think it was not not necessarily we were still looking at, at using different and using sort of like a an R&D budget necessarily but it became harder to get it through the gates Mm -hmm. you know to get it signed off so it became you know the stakeholders and the process for getting you know for getting because it was fighting for lots of different across the board lots of different projects and not just IT projects but business projects etc so I think as and that was quite insightful because you know as a brand that really embraced um, creativity embraced innovation um, it was it was how that then evolves as as the brand grows and it was growing at a rate of knots, so that is a different. So some but some companies you know can some big corporate companies are able to do that. They do have very strong innovation teams, or they have. Um, I talked to John Barry at John Lewis, who is you know amazing, and he just is a very practical. He understands that it, it can start and grow from anywhere and he talks a lot about, you know, having £1,200 in 12 weeks and getting something done. But that is, again, that's kind of like really driving creativity and innovation yeah. and it's kind of embedded and, and lots of things don't work, but lots of it, then there are other things that do work. And I think that's the challenge perhaps sometimes for the startup or yeah. the young company is that these 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 are big compelling names. Yeah. You know, I, I've been in that place where you think, mm-hmm. wow, you get mm-hmm. you get to add department store name here yes. kind of thing as a client and that's you made. You know, yeah. all the rest of them will follow and mm-hmm. now you'll raise your next round and you're completely on trajectory. Mm-hmm. And actually making that pilot sale is not the same as making a sale. No. <laughs> and it's 
it's no. nor is it the same as that running its cycle and proving the ROI yeah. not just on your metrics because I mean the ROI can make sense to you you can go look I've saved you lots of money but if that's not the right no. internal levers that, that, that measure matter, then that doesn't matter I mean is that something a that you've come across and b that you are very mindful now with with your being on the other side of the table almost it's quite interesting because obviously having now being on the other side of the table I can see the, the how frustrating it could be for vendors when you know you kind of have a great meeting and, and everyone's excited and you think wow this is fab and you come out and you're like yay and then a month you know a week passes and a month passes and there's still this inertia around moving forward and that's you know and that can be in the, when I, you know, I put my other hat on and I become the CIO and I'm thinking, well, that's because, you know, the budget's changed or something else has come along that we've had to deal with, you know, or another project's become more important, so it's less of a priority. And it's quite does, you know, I can see both sides now in terms of how, how difficult it can be to get that. And I, I see so much inertia because brands are almost paralysed sometimes in terms of not knowing what to do next. We, we, you know, we talk about with our platform that can get it up and running in two to four weeks. Yeah, you know, you so can, you can like same, drive yeah. the, and it's so, we, it, and it we, is so, true. Yeah. You know, it, you're not lying. It is completely yeah. true. It's it perfectly then, possible that yeah. from your perspective, that's completely doable. Yeah. But it's kind of, but it's then competing. I, you know, I find a lot of retailers are digital transformation and they have to do everything and and we need a single customer view but you don't need a single customer view and it's kind of like really finding the why of of what it is you know and I do like I kind of when you're working with a brand you need to understand their wider strategy so you need to do that top to top where you're working with the CEO you're working with the the CIO the CMO you're understanding their broader strategy and then you can kind of about trying to then plug in where you sit and not in terms of just the technology but actually then in trying to look at how it's going to drive revenue for them how it's going mm. to improve productivity or kind of really deliver that ROI that they're looking for but it's you know it is really I find it's properly challenging properly challenging to you can and there are different approaches. Some people say, oh, you know, you shouldn't put a pilot, you shouldn't do a pilot, you should just go in, you know, and, and have, um, you know, go in with a, a proposal that's a per- right from starting from the front with no pilot and you just, you go for, go for guns. However, I, it was interesting, the question um, that was being posed was around that even when they're in there and they're trying to embed it and with a champion, they're still struggling. And that's one of the things that I find I'm hugely passionate about because I do feel that often it's not the technology at all. It's, the technology can be amazing. The technology can do all the things that it says it will yeah. do. But unless you have embedded it properly and unless you have onboarded it properly and unless you continue to help them through that journey, then yes, it can it can churn. And that's where I feel so so important that it's so important that you have to have that kind of and I hate the words because it's kind of a little bit cheesy but customer success yeah but you've got to handhold them through it and you can't just hand the solution over you wipe your hands and move on to the next one you have to really help them to continually tweak their approach to make you know to make sure that what your what your solution is promising is actually delivering and continues to deliver again and again and again and I so 
agree with that because I can see so much in that that I personally got mm. wrong. I mean, I, I I got wrong. I fell hook, line, and sinker for the swathe of amazing meetings, mm-hmm. you know. And you come back and they've said they've. You know, I've been in meetings where somebody very big is going, "Yes, we absolutely want to do it," mm-hmm. and I've gone straight back to that company and gone, "Yes, they absolutely want to do it," which in retrospect is the absolute worst yeah. thing to do. You know, I got myself. I got myself into semi-terminal trouble off the back of one of those because that combined with raising money, mm-hmm. everybody hears what they want to hear, mm-hmm. including you. Yes. And then when it falls apart, which it probably was always going to inevitably do and, and has fallen apart for reasons that have got mm-hmm. absolutely nothing to do with you and you mm-hmm. cannot control, mm-hmm. it looks yeah. bad on you. But I also... Because it's almost like the, the, the first question and the second question are so interlinked mm. because yes. you're always, you never have enough money and you never have enough people. So you're always kind of trying to put money and people mm. where they're most needed. And mm. I think, you know, the pressure is on to try to get the sales and get the sales yeah. and get the sales and then you get them. Mm. And you're almost like in sometimes... I'm sure not in your case <laughs> and, and definitely not in my case. But in hypothetical cases going like crazy to actually deliver like to actually deliver this feature that you just sold and to actually get it over the line when you you know you said two to four weeks and they said brilliant you know can we have it three and you've gone absolutely (laughs) and that's actually really tough and the last people that you hire are the customer success people and then you've got to get them up to speed it's really challenging to spend ahead for that but I think you I have think to, you, you know, yeah, I, I, in for retrospect, me, you absolutely yeah. have so there's, to. You know, there are, there's, there's two really important things. Building relationships is so important and partnering so that, you're, that you feel that you're partnering with the brand and that you're really delivering, you know, not just on a solution and a piece of technology, but on their overall vision. So really understanding that is really key. And your people, from from your business analyst to your technical person to your customer success person and your salespeople, it has to, they have to resonate with that and they have to feel that. And you have to be super resilient because the person that just suddenly decides actually that, you know, they're going to re- they'll look at it again in another three months. But it makes me, you know, I see it so many times that a year has passed. Yeah. And actually, they've not moved forward at all. Not moved forward at all. And you, and then it's like, oh, it, and you kind of think, oh, you know, you could have. But you have to kind of think. You have to be resilient in as it has to be the right time for them mm. as well. And I, those yeah. those things are quite important. I think you need a far wider pipeline to yes. be working on than you would ever imagine. So yes. if your goal is that you know we need three paying clients. Mm working your normal stand when you're yeah. dealing with retailers i think when yeah. working working your normal standard sales pipeline is not enough yeah it's about you know and it is all about brand awareness so and the, and this is one of the things when i first came on board here it was like actually guys we need to we need to get we are great we're really good we have a great platform and it is really delivering for the clients that we have on board but if we don't do some stuff now we won't have a pipeline in 6 months so we you have to constantly be looking at that pipeline and building that through because you know you you, not all of the ducks will come through not all of them will turn into you know not you know turn into prospects you know your prospects will not all turn into customers sorry and it's really important then to be constantly looking um, at how you're growing the business Um, and it is it is hard so yes it's hard not to go down that route of over promising 
Um, but you have to be focused on the product. And part of, if you have a product and that's what you're selling, then you have to be really focused on, okay, if we're going to add this feature in, then it's going to be available there for the product and it's going to build the product through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do feel really strongly that it's, you have to, there's a, there's a question of selling ahead or not selling ahead. And I don't like to sell ahead too much in terms of what we do because you have to tell the vision because obviously you have a vision of where the platform's going and what you're trying to build out. But it's so focused to say, this is what we have today. Yep. Um, and we did, um, we did a big demo at Dreamforce a, a few weeks back and it was amazing. We had three people that came up to us afterwards and said, okay, this is great, this is great, but how much of this is actual product? And it's like... Everything you've seen on the yeah. stage is out of the box functionality. But None I of this is smoke and mirrors because that's yeah. unusual. Yes, and that but that was so inside. I was like, gosh, you know, like this yeah. is so. But you know, we had a customer that was demonstrating, so it was great. It was the customers demonstrating, and you know, it was all out of the box functionality, and that's powerful. If you can continue to build that, and then then you're you are really demonstrating what the the yeah. real. USP of your product and how and how it is and then you build you build from there and you're de-risking it and you're yeah. making it really tangible and easier yeah. to buy conceptually easier mm. to buy mm-hmm. so thank you mm. that's been incredibly insightful thank, thank you. you once again for sharing your wisdom with me and reminding me of all the things I got wrong many of which I won't get wrong next time and I'm sure some of which I will so We're thank you learning. and thank every you, success with this business it's great thank to see you. you on the other side of the table <laughs> thank you so much you've been listening to Vicky Brock and this week's guest Kathy McCabe your entrepreneur agony aunts you can submit your question at vickybrock.com slash podcast uh-huh.